Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. All right, what's up, Hot breath verse? Thanks for hanging out here. Recently, I did a post about doing, um, asking what questions you have about preparing a set, creating a set list, reviewing your sets, things like that. And there were so many questions, I decided to hop on the podcast and actually make this an episode because I think it'll help a lot of comics that aren't members of the group yet, which if you're not a member of this Facebook group, click the link in the show notes and join because holy cow, there's almost 600 comics around the world in here every day engaging and learning. So join us. So let's jump into the first question here. Tamua asks, when do you feel is the right time to get let an old joke go? When do you feel is the right time to let an old joke go? So in my personal opinion, I think it's a personal preference. <laughs> personal opinion, personal preference. But I think the right time to let an old joke go is based on your own feeling and your own sense of humor. Now, to be more specific, I've interviewed comics who say they'll try it 10 times. I've interviewed to say they try it 5, 20. I've personally done a joke once and then been like, oh, never mind. That was not, well, that killed in front of my Furbies, but in front of people, not at all. I will say the consensus is you never fully let go of a joke unless you just know you don't want to do it anymore. But if you have a joke that you really believe in and that is worth the bombing on stage to work through, like in my comedy special, there's a joke where I'm talking about Mexicans and Chinese people. That took a long time to work out, but what kept me going when there weren't laughs was I was still getting a reaction. So some people would gasp. Some people would be like, oh, that's racist. And over time, I was able to work it out to find the funny within it. But it was something I believed in. It was something my sixth sense, my sense of humor was telling me there's something there. So I was willing to work through it. Um, a lot of the times, you just shelf a joke. So it doesn't work at the given time. But you know what? Let me put that to the side. And then I will instead work on other stuff and then come back to this. You may come back to it in a month. It may be a year. It may be five years. You know, I've, I've interviewed several comedians who are like, 10 years later, I finally found where I could plug that joke in. So that's why we all hold on to all of our notebooks all the time because you just never know when that next great joke is going to pop back up. So I like that you use the word feel, Tamua, because it really is a feeling on when to let that joke go. But I would, I mean, if you want like a definitive numerical answer, I would say give it a good seven to ten times. And every time you try it, review that reaction. Is it getting better? Um, is it getting any reaction? If it's not getting any reaction, then the audience doesn't care. They're not engaged. If it's getting some reaction, then that means they at least care enough to respond. Even if it's positive or negative, I feel like if you're affecting the audience emotionally in any way, I feel like you're on the right track there. 
But if it, you try it seven to ten times and it's just dead air, yeah, it may be time <laughs> to move on. Just put it to the side. It'll be back. It'll be back. All right, let's get to the next question here. This question is from Aaron Patrick. He said, how do you write out your set lists? Names of jokes or keywords slash phrases? So when I first started comedy, I was word for word. I would be in my head before shows, just sitting there with my notebook, just writing it word for word. And you know what? Sorry. I was looking for like a super old notebook I have, which I do have. Um, I just didn't want to dig all the way through it. So I didn't want to dig all the way through there to find them. But I can bring those out for another Q&A sometime if you'd like to see. But um, where'd I go? But I, when I started out, I would write word for word pretty much everything I wanted to say from beginning to end. And then over time, it kind of evolved into more like parag like um, paragraph form to where it would almost be like a summary of each joke, but with a lot more words, you can see. Still like a lot of writing going on there that's not bullet points. And then from there, it, um, it evolves into uh, like bullet points specifically. So if I'm talking about college, I may just write the word college, but within college is going to be you know, maybe five, ten different jokes. But I know when I hear and write the word college that that is triggering those five to ten jokes. Now, I will, and this is actually the set list from my comedy special that I made. And I usually do it in smaller notebooks. For, for the comedy special, I wanted to um, have it like on like not on display at the show but I wanted to kind of like really write everything out because you could see the underline so like on a normal set list um on a normal set list the underline part those would be the bullet points and I may just write those and if I had some new tags I'll kind of branch them off but for this one I really went into um and if you'd like a photo of uh, a PDF of this set list, let me know. Um, but I really went into detail on like, so if I said college, for instance, college then branches off into Ponzi scheme, which then branches off into like four-year vacation, stressful schools, jobs, UTI. So you can see, and then it also branches off into Merville, 60% phase, math, meth. So if you've seen the special, you could see like kind of the... Um, trajectory of these jokes and how they actually formulate verbally but on the page it's more of just like bullet points within sub bullet points but it started out just word for word verbatim all right good question though Aaron um EJ asks <laughs> oh Imri's watching I'm, I'm streaming this live into the group um as well so Imri's watching thanks Imri um, yeah, because I'm answering these questions from a previous post, but, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be sure to get that into the group there. I'm thanks. Uh, EJ had asked, what do you look for when you read a room before you go on stage? And what are some common adjustments that you make based on what you see? So 
when I'm reading a room, I'm looking not only for the people, but like the setting. So keep in mind, where are you? What day is it? Is it a Friday night at 10 p.m. where people may have been out to dinner, they've been drinking, and now they're here for a comedy show? Or is it a Tuesday at 6 p.m. in a coffee shop when you're in front of a window and the sun's still out and it's a barista and four comics that are texting? What is the setting? What is the makeup? Is it primarily comics? Is it primarily audience members? What is the actual makeup of the audience? Is it primarily older people? Is it primarily younger people? Is it a good mix? And then within that, what are their ages? So think about like who's in the room? Uh, what, what day and time is it? What is like the context for this comedy show? Is it a pub that just does a, a comedy show weekly? Or is it like a comedy venue where people are showing up for comedy specifically? And also on another layer, like Sean Patton said in his Q&A, reading the room. What are they laughing at from other comedians? Are they laughing at other comedians? Um, what is their taste or sensibility? Do they like college jokes? Maybe they were really into them and your college material would work. Or maybe they weren't. And maybe you try it anyway and it bombs. But you went down on your sword. Or maybe you edit out the college for this set and you work on something else. Um, is it an open mic? Is it a book show? Is it a paid show? Is it a paid show? Where did people pay to be here? Are they invested in the show or are they just there to kill some time? Or were they there on accident to get a drink and, oh, look, comedy's in the corner. Those are a few things I do when I'm reading the room and some adjustments I make based on maybe what are they laughing at? Maybe I will go more in that route or maybe I won't go in that route. But it's, yeah, it's, it's always good to read the room and um, just how the audience is reacting overall who's in the room, things like that. Um, Chase asks, Where's Oh, sorry, I was reading EJ's again. I want to make sure I thoroughly answered it. Read a room before, what, are, what do you look for when you read a room and you, before you go on stage? Yeah, I think that answers it. Common adjustments. Um, Chase asks, do you try and make a theme? Sorry, I'll start saying your full names. Chase Bonin. Um, did you try and make a theme for every set? And how often do you think you have an old throwaway joke, but then it works in with a new bit? Um, I don't really make a theme for every set. I do have like a beginning, middle, and end. Like I have, a, I have set lists. And sometimes... I'll just have a beginning and an end. Now, listen now, do also take this in with the context that I've been doing this 10 years. Um, starting out, oh baby, word for word. We are starting with this syllable and we are ending with that syllable. Like, word for word. I was to the page starting out. Probably the first few years. I'd be interested to look back and see how long I was actually like word for word like that. Um, I was also more one-liner driven, so that was also kind of kept me hammered to the page a little bit more. But when it comes to actually making a theme, I never really have a theme. Now, clearly, like, my comedy special was a theme, and weaving that into, like, a cohesive story arc was definitely a new challenge for me. But I normally don't have a theme. I know where I'm starting, and I know where I want to end up. 
and I'll, I'll always have a set list with some bullet points. And I usually like to hit on those different bullet points, but there's no real theme behind them beyond just like this is what I want to either try out an open mic or this is a set I know will work at this paying gig. How often do you have an old throwaway joke, but then it works in a new bit? Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes on stage where you just say something in passing that gets a bigger laugh than the actual punchline. And you remember that. That's why you record every single set because you never, ever, ever know when you're going to say something that just magically maybe opens up a new realm of material that you didn't know was there. And that's why you always record as well because sometimes you don't even remember saying those jokes. You remember getting a laugh in the moment, but you don't remember why. And then when you listen back, you're like, oh, that's how I got that laugh. So yeah, it's not often, but it does happen when you have that throwaway joke that actually works in a new bit. Dylan O'Neill asks, what should I open with? And how do you know the best places to put a joke in a set? I would say, and you know what, this actually ties into Trent Babb's set as, question as well, which Trent Babb says, the natural flow of a set, for example, me, observation, family, relationships, drug, politics, sex, what order should topics follow to allow the audience to move along with the material smoothly? So what should I open with? Yeah, it's kind of, this, it's pretty much the same question there. So look at your sets as a first date. So you're showing up to this room of strangers, there for comedy or not, but they don't necessarily know you. You're kind of going on a blind date. So look at your performance as a blind date. You don't really want to come out the gate swinging about drugs and politics and sex. You'd like to get into it a little bit more. You know, kind of ease into it. Do a little beach entrance into this conversation, into this date. So open up with more topical things, like like um like Trent said. So really, this is um like a, Trent actually wanted a breakdown of like me, observation, family, relationships, drugs, politics, sex. Me looking at that list and thinking of a first date, I think a good order would be me, family. I'm not sure what observation means. Um, I would say me, family, observation relationships, drugs, politics, sex. I think that's a good order and a good interactive way to do your set to where you're easing them into getting to know who you are, who your family is, what are your observations in the world, uh, what, what is your experience with the relationships, and they can get into my experience with drugs and politics and sex. You can let it flow that way. But really ease into the set. You don't want to just come out swinging and here's conspiracy theories. They're going to be like, what? I don't even know you. Who are you? Where are you from? Why should I care what you say? Really, really keep take that to heart. And it can be more surface jokes, especially starting out. Listen, the jokes you're doing three years in, you're not going to be doing the next year. You're just going to get better. You're going to write more. All right. So starting out, I had a mustache. And I would do mustache jokes to open up with. It was more of like surface. Um... People make jokes about their names. That's more of a surface entry-level joke just to get that quick laugh. You really want to open with something you know you can get a laugh on without um, 
you want to start with a joke you know get a laugh within 15 to 20 seconds. That's really, you want to hook them. The quicker you get a laugh, the quicker confidence you're going to have on stage because once you get that first laugh, you're going to be like, oh, I can do this. And the audience is going to be like, oh, that comic can do this. So the quicker you get a laugh, the quicker you're confident and the quicker the audience gets on your side. And it's good, just a quick, silly surface joke is a great way to start out your set, just to get into it. I would do, yeah, mustache jokes and things like that. So I don't do them anymore, and I wouldn't now, but they served a purpose. Oh, and Brian says, Brian Hood says, I've always heard shorter jokes to start as well. Yes. Yeah, just quick hitter jokes just to kind of get the ball rolling. Imri. Um, All right, we got two more here. Imri. Mehez. Mehez. I'm sorry, Imri. You're so engaged in this group, and I'm sorry I'm not maybe saying your last name right. Imri um, says, I used to type out everything. I'm two years in. Even the mistakes and the pauses for laughs. Now I just have short trigger words, even for open mics. I always tried to memorize my entire set word for word, but once started doing 10 minutes plus, it was nearly impossible, so I switched to a memory palace approach. Yes, okay. Yeah, so it's my understanding that a memory palace... Imri, are you in here? Imri, are you in the group? Yeah, go ahead and do a comment if you're in the group, buddy. And um, I have a fun idea we could do if you're in here still. Because he did comment at the beginning of this saying he wants a PDF of the set list. Um, but, yeah, Memory Palace. So let me, uh, let me see what the next question is. Oops. Oh, I just clicked on the page. Let me go back. So I'm going to jump to the next question while Imri, we see if Imri's here. Um, and I'm going to go to Robin, Robin Sutton Clark's question. How many seconds is a good pause between jokes? I'm constantly told I need to slow it down. The length of the pause is what I struggle with most. Or maybe I need to slow down the speed of my talking. How do I slow my roll, Robin says. Well, some interesting advice I got early on that I heard. Uh, Ron White, actually, who lives in the Atlanta area, I've seen him out at several open mics actually working out stuff. It's, it's so crazy. At every level, comics are just still comics. And something he said, he didn't say this to me, um, but I, I think I heard it secondhand. He said, if you... Is Imer here? He said, sorry, my ADD. He, uh, Ron said, slow down. And when you think you're going too slow, slow down even more. So slow down, slow down. And it's going to feel like you're going too slow on stage. But trust me, you're not. You're not. It's a weird inverse relationship where you're like, I'm going too slow. 
but really the audience is just able to understand you more when you enunciate. A great way to slow your roll. This was advice I got from an OG comic early, maybe like two years in. I remember I was on the south side of Atlanta doing a comedy show at a biker bar. Yeah, I did a lot of shows where I'm lucky to have survived. This was a biker bar on the south side. I was the only white person in the area code. We're performing on a dance floor to people in leather vests and me. And uh, it actually went fairly well. But the host told me that young comics forget to breathe on stage. So a great way, a great place to start before you even think about how many seconds is a good pause and things like that. Focus on breathing on stage. Just breathe on stage. So what I would do sometimes, and this helped me, Uh, let me get some vodka there. It's noon now, so we can drink. What would help? It's just water. Don't worry. What would help me is um, some sets, and this helped me helps me develop sets. I'll go into a set with like a single goal. So maybe I have a new tag I want to try or a new joke I want to try. And out of that five or ten minutes, as long as I do that one new joke or as long as I achieve that one goal, then the set was a success. Whether I bomb or not, I made that one goal. So some of my goals starting out beyond um, like trying a new joke or not were be to breathing. I was like, for this set, I just want to focus on breathing. For this set, I want to do one big act out. For this set, I want to practice crowd work. Regardless of how it goes, if I practice it, the set's a victory. So with breathing, I would go to open mics and some open mics, now these would be like a bar on a Monday at 11 p.m. I'm not doing these at comedy clubs, but I would focus on breathing. My whole goal was to breathe, and I would audibly breathe. I would say something, audibly breathe, and then say the next, like, I would say like, my joke, audibly breathe, move on to the next joke audibly breathe you could actually hear me breathing and it did it was an open mic in front of comics and a few drunk people it did not matter that i was breathing on stage like exaggerating breathing but that helped me and it's still a constant reminder to remember to breathe now when it comes to how many seconds is a good pause or not um it's timing it's like music so it's a feeling Okay, so what do you feel is the right timing? Sometimes the pause is a few seconds. Sometimes it's just a quick tick and then you jump into it. It's all a feeling. It's all timing. But there is something to be said about pausing before you deliver a punchline. So in my special, I have a, a one-liner about, and I break this one-liner down in my online comedy class, is I married a woman with tattoos because she's comfortable with permanent mistakes. But if I just say it as a sentence, it's not as funny as if I say, I married the perfect wife. She has a tattoo, so she can handle permanent mistakes. The pause, the drawing it out, builds tension, builds anticipation, and it builds that payoff at the end. So slowing down definitely helps. Pausing before you actually hit that punchline, and then also pausing after you deliver that punchline to give the audience an opportunity to laugh will 
think really be helpful to you and you thinking of how and when is a good time to pause. But bottom line on this question, how do you slow your roll? Breathe. All right, and I guess Imri isn't here, so we will just answer his question and then um, wrap up this episode. So thanks for hanging out in the group here, y'all. And I'm going to post this as a podcast as well, but since you're a member of this special group, you get special access. So I'm glad those of you are in here hanging out just in the, in the middle of a Tuesday here. So that's great. So the final question is from Imri. Well, he didn't have a question. He really just said he... I'll read it again for those of you. I used to type out everything, even the mistakes and pauses for laughs. Now I just have a short trigger words. I always tried to memorize my set, but when I started doing 10-minute sets... It was almost impossible, so I switched to Memory Palace approach. And I believe the Memory Palace approach is more of like you think of yourself entering your house. And um, the foyer is one joke. That's your opening joke. Then you go into the living room. That's your second joke. Then you go into the kitchen. That's your third joke. But you're able to visualize yourself almost walking through the set. So you have different rooms and areas of the house that trigger different words. So that's the basis of a memory palace. You can Google it as well. We were going to have Imery come on the show live and explain it, but Imery wasn't here anymore. But we appreciate you hanging out. And um, that was a good, that's a good, quick, helpful episode. If you want me to start doing more of these, let me know. I've really just been posting like long-form interviews and the Q&As we're doing here in the group with other comics. But if you'd like to hear more Q&As with me personally, let me know. And we will start doing more podcasts like this. So thanks for hanging out. Join this Facebook group if you want access to more Q&As like this. And really just join it just to connect with other comics around the world. There's a lot of positive positivity happening in this group. And I'm so excited that it's happening. So be safe and smart out there, kids. We'll see you in the Right 10 Club or... No, we'll see you in that Facebook group. And then you'll get into the Right 10 Club. And then you'll get into these live Q&As. And then you'll maybe order my special and support all this free content you're getting. Heaven forbid. <laughs> Ooh, and Nee says here at the buzzer, look up a book called Moonwalking with Einstein with Memory Palace. All right, so Moonwalking with Einstein with Memory Palace. Thanks, Nee. Thanks for that suggestion. And we are going to get out of here, everyone. So thanks. Yep, Jody, you just missed it. I'm going to go have lunch with my wife. Thank you all for hanging out. Have fun out there. Tomorrow we are doing a live Q&A with Jesse David Fox, the host of Good One Podcast right here in this group. You're not going to want to miss that. So we'll see you there. Bye. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.